Welcome to Catholic Living, a podcast that seeks to be a user's guide to the Catholic faith, where we boldly ask, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? This is brought to you by Excorde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Tom Hoops. I'm writer in residence here at the college, and you can read what I write at alatea.org and excorde.org. And today I want to talk about prayer. Talked about that a little bit in the New Year's Resolution podcast. Talked about it over and over again before that as well. And the reason I want to talk about prayer is that prayer is absolutely necessary for human beings, and yet we don't always know how or why to do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some of the why. I'm going to give you my method, ABCs of prayer, and then I'll actually talk through a prayer session, which uh, we'll um, post probably separately such that you can use that if it's helpful when you pray. So why do we pray to start with? Well, prayer gives you what you need to be able to face life. God has made human beings greater than everything else he created. We're greater than animals, mountains, or angels. Therefore, nothing on this earth will satisfy us, only God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, Lord, said St. Augustine. That's because God made everything and wrote the rules of the universe. So the only way to be happy is to be in tune with everything and the rules of the universe. And the only way to do that is to have frequent contact with God. Pope Benedict very helpfully spelled out what will happen if you spend more time with Jesus Christ and make him your friend. Knowing Jesus can give a person what he or she needs to face life, he said. Serenity, an interior enlightenment, an aptitude for thinking positively, broad-mindedness with regard to others, the readiness to pay in person for goodness, justice, and truth, end quote. People who met John Paul II and Mother Teresa would say things like, oh my gosh, it was so incredible. It was like I was the only person who existed in the world. Or she looked right into my heart and I could tell that she loved me. You've probably experienced this when you've met somebody who's on a lesser plane than St. John Paul II and Mother Teresa. It could be a religious sister that you know. It could be a monk that you know. It could be the uh, parish lady who you always see praying in your church. Uh, it could be some figure in your life. But what they all have in common is that they see who you are and love you. And this is because of their connection with God. But right away, we face all sorts of difficulties when we want to commit to daily prayer. I think if we're being honest, almost nobody would say I'm spiritual but not religious, but a lot of us would say I'm religious but not spiritual. <laughs> One of my students put it this way. She said, I find Catholicism beautiful and logically consistent with itself and the world around me, but my connection with my faith is totally intellectual. There isn't very much emotion there. When I pray, I don't feel anything. The student added, how come nobody can admit that Catholicism is hard? I reached to the point of despair and emotional breakdown because I thought I was the only one who had this imperfection. I'm the only one who struggles. Really? Am I? Am I the only one who hears praise and worship music and doesn't feel inspired and doesn't go to mass for fun? Well, no, you're not the only one. There are a lot of us who follow Jesus Christ. We're committed to following Jesus Christ. We're committed Catholics, but we don't necessarily light up like a neon Jesus fish sign 
uh, when we do spiritual things. So what I recommend is to, first of all, stop focusing on those people who have it all together in their prayer life and start focusing on those who are a little bit more challenged. Let me tell you what I mean. We've all seen the people at Mass who are totally into it, who are swaying back and forth, who go to all the prayer things and do all the prayer actions, and they seem totally transported by spiritual things. Well, that's good. That's great. I mean, if you're one of those, and oh my gosh, I wish I was too. Jesus himself deals with these people in the Gospels. For instance, when his apostles come back from going on mission for him, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And uh, he, it's almost like he high fives them in the story. He's so excited and proud because they're so awesome and their faith is so great. But I kind of relate more to people in another exorcism story where Jesus totally loses his cool because he's so disgusted by the believers who lack faith. The disciples are failing miserably to help a possessed boy. Jesus says, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I endure you? Bring him to me. The boy's father tells Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can, repeats Jesus, angrier still, everything is possible for one who has faith. And then the boy's father utters one of my favorite prayers. I highly recommend it for you. He says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I pray this often. And when I do so, I am conscious that it puts me in the camp of the faithless ones who tremble before demons, not the faithful ones who high-five each other because they make the demons tremble. I'm fine with that because you know what? Jesus answers that dad's prayer just as much as he answers the other prayer. And this isn't the only prayer I borrow from the gospel's faith-challenged followers. I also pray, Jesus, save us or we perish when it seems like he's blowing me off. Or I can even say, Teacher, don't you care that we're being destroyed? Which is another thing that he rebukes them for praying because it shows their lack of faith, but then he does the thing which gives them the faith. I also use the prayer that Jesus personally recommended when he told the story about the publican and the um, uh, Pharisee. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He praises the man who simply bows his head and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I relate to that guy. Another person I relate to in prayer is the woman with the hemorrhage. I love um, Mark's version of this story. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So she tried all the world's ways of giving her wholeness and completeness And she was trained to Jesus, not because she was super faithful, but kind of by process of elimination. Nothing else has worked, so I guess I'll give Jesus a shot. Uh, And Jesus doesn't give her any like good feelings or special attention. He definitely doesn't high-five her. He doesn't even look at her. He's just rushing by in a crowd. He's a retreating figure where all these other people seem to be taking priority over her. And that's kind of how we feel in the spiritual life. We feel like, Nothing has worked, so we may as well turn to Jesus. And when we turn to Jesus, we find him walking away, paying attention to other people. But what does the woman with the hemorrhage do? She lunges at him. She refuses to let him walk away from her. And she grabs only the hem of his garment. She doesn't even get to touch him himself. But that's enough. He turns. He looks at her. They make this real connection. He asks, who touched me? 
He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. And that's what he'll do in our lives also. The busyness of the day, the busyness of our life, the failures of so many things to make us happy have all kind of conspired against us. And now we're willing to make one last desperate lunge at Jesus Christ, who isn't even stopping to say hello. And if we just touch him, if we just reach out to him, if we're just real with him, then he'll turn and encounter us as well. Which brings me to a third problem with prayer that I have faced. And this was expressed very well by this student who I uh, mentioned. She said, the people tell her to act like Jesus is your best friend. How would you talk to your best friend? Talk to Jesus that way. Well, she says, I can actually see my best friend and they can talk back to me. I'm not just shouting into a void. So this is a real problem in prayer where we feel like we're talking to an imaginary Jesus figure rather than having a real one-to-one conversation with another person. And eventually, after you've had enough unreal conversations with an imaginary person, you just stop doing it. So how do you deal with this problem of, I'm talking to an imaginary person who doesn't talk back to me? Well, I always use an analogy to the Emily character in the play Our Town by Thornton Wilder. This is a play that seems like just an ordinary play about an ordinary day in American life when suddenly one of the main characters dies halfway through the play. Then that character is in a heaven-like situation surrounded by other dead people. And she starts to want to return to to the happiest moment of her childhood. She says, well, I can do it, can't I? Because we're outside of time and space here. They say, yeah, you can. Uh, And she says, I want to experience what that moment was like. That was when I was most real, when I was most connected with others. They plead with her not to do it. They say, don't do it. It'll just make you unhappy. Uh, But she does it anyway. She goes back to the moment in her childhood when she woke up on one of her birthdays and her mother gave her something special and her father was there. And she remembers this moment very vividly. But when she goes back to rewatch it, she's horrified. It turns out her parents barely paid any attention to her at all. The happiness of the memory was all supplied by her excitement on that day. She was preoccupied by her birthday. They weren't. She sensed a deep connection with them. But witnessing it now, she just sees self-occupied consciousnesses ricocheting off each other in a void. Oh, mom, just look at me one minute as though you really saw me, she pleads from eternity. I can't go on. It goes too fast. You don't have time to look at one another. I didn't realize. Well, what she's realizing is what human connection really is like, what human communication really is like. The truth can be supplied from literature. You can find it in psychology. You can find it in brain science, wherever you want. The heart-to-heart communication that you love so well with your friends, it's really just a brief intersection of two bundles of memory preoccupied with their own distractions, becoming barely aware of the thin outer layer of the other person's consciousness only momentarily. But that's not what it is with Jesus. Only someone who is omniscient can see you and take you as a whole and communicate with you in your entire person as you really are. Other human beings don't do that. Notice next time when you're talking to somebody what you're actually thinking about and how deeply you can connect. But you can connect that deeply with Jesus. 
If you don't believe me, try it. Insist on it. Lunge at him like the woman with the hemorrhage and see what he does. Tell Jesus, don't you dare pass me by. I don't care if you have other things that are more important. You promised me a relationship. You promised me the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, here I am. I want what you promised me. Give me what is mine. Or if that doesn't work, use the gospel prayers that you know he always answers because they're right there in the gospel. Say, even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. You got to give me something, Lord. Cry out, save us or we perish. Don't you care that we're drowning? Say, I believe, help my unbelief. Trust me, he will answer and it'll take a lifetime to hear him out. And the way to do this is through prayer. So I'm gonna go through the, what the ABCs of prayer are, and then I'll go through an exercise of actually applying them. I know there's all sorts of different acronyms for prayer. There's ALTER that I've heard. I used to use ACTS, ACTS, but I've switched recently to the ABCs of prayer, and I'll explain why. So what this acronym does is it tells you in order what each stage in your prayer encounter should be. A is for adoration. You begin by adoring Christ. As St. Therese put it, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. That, in a word, is adoration. By adoring God, we do a number of things all at once. We acknowledge his greatness and our smallness, and we strongly reaffirm his priority in our life. So what you want to do when you adore Jesus Christ is picture him in whatever form is most adorable to you. Picture the Christ child and adore him like the shepherds did or like the magi did. Picture Jesus on the cross dying with arms wide open for your sins. Picture the sacred heart of Jesus if that is what you find most adorable about him. And tell him briefly in your own words that you believe in him, that you hope in him, and that you love him. And tell him why you believe, hope, and love him. I used to do the acronym ACTS because I found this prayer card at the back of a church in England, and I used that for many years, starting with five minutes, then 10, then 15, then getting up to half an hour. On that prayer card, it had this prayer, which I still find I repeat throughout my adoration. So what I do is I say, I adore you, O God, from the depths of my littleness. You are so great, and I am so small. I adore you, O God, from the depths of my littleness. You are so great, and I am so small. And you will find that the more you adore, the more you enter into adoration, the happier you are. Right? Fish were made to swim, and they're only happy in water. We are made to know, love, and serve God. And we feel like fish out of water when we're not adoring. So if you need some help adoring, and I always do, uh, if you look under the prayer resources at excordia.org, you'll see the ABCs of prayer, which reviews this particular uh, acronym, but it also has under A, the litany of faith, hope, and love, which I've found is a great way to review uh, reasons to adore God and to reasons to believe, reasons to hope, reasons to love. B is for blessings. Review how he blesses you daily. I used to have a different second stage in prayer, but kind of reading Father Michael Gately, who has been stressing the need to count your blessings and also going through some Ignatian spiritual exercises, I realized that this is a great way to enter into prayer. So review the blessings of your day, review what God has been doing for you since the last time you prayed, 
It trains you not just to adore God as if he exists in some separate realm only, but to attach your adoration of God to the real benefits he has filled your life with each day. And the more you review your blessings, the more you realize just how much he is doing for you. Your life can seem miserable until you stop and realize, oh my gosh, I have people in my life who are helping me. I have people at my workplace who smile and are kind to me. I have plenty to eat. I have plenty to drink. I have all of these blessings that so many people don't have and that I so often take for granted. I review the gifts he gave me of time, place, beauty, truth, and goodness, especially the goodness of other people and the faith. Being given the gift of the faith is a huge blessing. And again, if it's helpful to you, and it's certainly helpful to me, to have a list of ways to seek God's blessing in your lives. At xcorded.org under prayer resources, I have a review of how God has blessed you today, which is a great remedy for discouragement and a great way to go through and see what's happened in your life each day. C is for contrition. You have to express your sorrow for sin. St. Ignatius popularized examining your conscience daily as a truly crucial exercise for uh, your spiritual well-being. And this comes naturally from the review of the blessings in your life. Because the way blessings work, you're supposed to use them to grow closer to God and to fulfill your vocation. If you take them for yourselves, if you refuse to use them for others, if you sin against God despite his blessings, then suddenly your contrition is given a context. Rather than just feeling like, oh, I'm so bad, you realize God is helping me all day long and what he really wants is for me to respond in kind. So why should you be sorry for your sins? Because contrition gives you freedom. It's very easy to give your heart to material goods, to personal comfort, to pleasure, to pride, to vanity. They quickly become your idol and your master, your reason for living. By being contrite about the way you've used God's blessing in your life and about the ways you've sinned, you reorder your priorities and you put God first once again. And again, if you need help knowing how to be contrite, uh, I've put under xcorde.org, under prayer resources, six ways to examine your conscience. So A is for adoration, B is for blessing, C is for contrition, and then S is for supplication. Supplication is a fancy way of saying supplying. You're asking God to supply what is needed in your life. Or uh, the way I tell my kids is say what you want. S is for say what you want. So it's easy to turn prayer into a wish list for God. So at xcorde.org, under prayer resources, what I've put under S for supplication is a prayer to be configured to Christ, which is a prayer for making your life more fully his. I put forgiveness prayers there, prayers that go through the different people in your life and try to find who you haven't forgiven. Uh, forgiveness is something we as Christians should do every day. Also, I've put the Pentecost sequence in there, the prose version. This is a prayer to the Holy Spirit that I dearly love. It's the Pentecost sequence that we pray every Pentecost, but they used a rhymed version of it in the liturgy that I can't make heads or tails out of. Well, this prose version, which I discovered years ago, uh, it was actually given to me as uh, my um, penance by a priest, is phenomenal. I think it really 
helps you understand how the Holy Spirit can reconfigure your heart and soul. So in the prayer for petition, it's a great time to seek wisdom by meditating on a passage of the Bible or a mystery in Christ's life, such as the Beatitudes, the Eucharist, his mother Mary, the passion or the resurrection. It's also a good time to realize before God that we exist for one another. I try to come up with a resolution every time I do this S portion of my prayer. Uh, one of the works of mercy I can do that day, uh, at least pray for people who need one of the works of mercy. But it's also a great time to remember the needs of people in your life to pray for that thing which your sister asked you to pray for, to pray for that job that your friend is trying to get, to pray for the thing which your community desperately needs, to pray for peace in the world, peace in a particular region. It's a great time to ask Jesus for these things because he himself said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So those are my tips on prayer. Like I said, you can listen to the directed meditation in a separate podcast. Remember, the times to pray are anytime. You know, imagine your best friend was also your roommate, your coworker, and your constant companion. Uh, you'd talk to that person all the time. Pray to and talk to God like you would to that person because he'll listen a lot better. Pray when you rise, when you eat, when you make a major decision. Pray when you travel. Pray when you go to bed. Pray for comfort in suffering. Pray for patience in adversity. Pray for perseverance in complacency. It's an important one. Pray for gratitude in good times and resignation in bad times. Speak to God about anything momentous or trivial that concerns you and devote special time to conversation with him every day in meditation. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hoops, and this is the Catholic Living Podcast produced by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.